the barrier that you're going to butt up against too if you don't outsource is limitation. Welcome to the Wealth Matters podcast, where investors come together to better understand how to build passive cash flow and create generational wealth without all the confusing mumbo jumbo. Here's your host and co-author of Amazon number one bestseller, Alpesh Pamar. Welcome to Wealth Matters Podcast. I am going to have Ali Boone on the podcast and she would be the, I, I barely interview the same people again. I think she would be the fourth person who is getting interviewed on the podcast one more time. So I want to remind everyone that she's a real estate investor, entrepreneur, former aerospace engineer, pilot, and an author. So after leaving her nine to five job to pursue ultimate freedom through entrepreneurship, her company Hipster Investments managed to facilitate over 18 million in real estate transactions in its first five years of business. And she was on the episode number 82 last year, right before publishing her book, Not Your How to Guide to Real Estate Investing, Life Lessons on Hacking Your Mind Before You Hack Your Wallet. Welcome, Ali. Thanks for having me. It's so funny as I was hearing you say that. I was like, oh, last time I was on the podcast, I wasn't officially an author yet. Now I am. Yes, exactly. (laughs) We recorded right before you were releasing. (laughs) When you said author in the bio, I was like, Oh, I wasn't one of those last time yeah, we talked. Yeah, that, that, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for the awesome introduction. I'm so excited to be back and flattered that you would have me back because it mean, means you didn't totally hate me the first time. <laughs> you never yeah. know. Like, the, yeah, like yeah, oh my God, yeah. turn this episode I, I, I off. I don't want to say that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard stories. It's like, oh my God, smile, smile, smile. <laughs> No, seriously, thank you for having me back. I'm excited. Uh, Absolutely, and thank you for accepting the invite. So tell us, uh, and we spoke about this before as well, but if there is something else we didn't discuss, tell us something interesting or funny about yourself. Oh, um, this isn't, normally I'm more of a fan of funny, but uh, maybe interesting about myself. It's at least interesting to me. It may not be interesting to anyone else. Uh, so I have two 16-year-old dogs. One of them is actually about to be 17 in March. Wow. And, you know, like from my bio and like I, I tell people, I used to be this really cool person. Like I used to be super adventurous and, you know, go skydiving and world travel and all this kind of stuff. And I'm not kidding for the last uh nine months maybe coming up on a year I feel like I am an at-home caretaker of said (laughs) elderly dogs and so like I I mean I am getting pooped on all the time I'm right messes I one of them's in a wheelchair Uh, oh wow this like super cool independent single like adventurer I have been uh caretaking for numerous months now and boy is it humbling um and my little one that's in a wheelchair (laughs) she actually looks just like a koala bear so like when I have her out people are like a koala bear in a wheelchair like what's happening oh wow and uh yeah it's been a I don't even as I say it out loud maybe it's not even that interesting but it's interesting to me because of how different of a life I have to live right now because and these gosh golly they're cute dogs um but holy cow, I didn't know what comes with um, aging animals at 
all. God bless them. But yeah, it's interesting to me because it's, you know, you see yourself living one kind of life in this, you know, kind of certain box. And then all of a sudden you don't. So I just keep being grateful that it's been during like the COVID lockdowns and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I don't have anywhere better to be right now anyways. That's what I keep telling myself. But (laughs) (laughs) So the interesting part of, you know, people who know me, they're like, oh, haven't seen this side of you before. And I'm like, neither have I, I right, not, right. not usually my, uh, my thing, but here we are. And I can only think that's making me a better person. I, I agree. And I think that is always a bright side, even with all the Corona <sighs> and pandemic, I'm mm-hmm. always looking at the, you know, bright side, right? Yeah. Have to, I mean, you have to, because the yeah. world stuff out all the time. And if you don't get in the habit of like reframing yeah. what's yeah. going on or look for the plus side, it's, it's going to, it's overwhelming even when you do that stuff. So you definitely want to keep the positives flowing. That's for sure. Yep. So let's talk about real estate. What was your very first investment in real estate and how did it work out? Well, remember how I described myself as this like super adventurous person? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's applicable. Uh, my very first, technically, my first investment was uh, the house I bought for myself when I took a job transfer that turned into a rental property. But my very first intentional real estate investment, you can judge me all you want, it was a pre construction development in Nicaragua, the third world country. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I used to tell them like, you know, I like doing anything that, you know, ruffles people's feathers. They're like, I'm sorry, you're buying what? And I was like, all I hear is like third world beach bungalow adventure. I'm like, I'm in man, like this has to be great. Um, and that literally is what got me started in real estate investing. Ironically enough, I lost everything I put into it. Shocker. I know third world country reconstruction. No, uh, and you, you, you are an adventurous person like me because I, I remember mine as well, Cleveland, Ohio, very first one. Uh-huh. I lost everything I had put in. <laughs> I, I love that. That's like our baseline. Like I knew we got along for some reason. Yeah. Um, you know, it really, there is a lot of messages in there though. Like you and I are both very successful in real estate now and both of our first investments were total washes. But, right. you know, to, to give myself a little credibility, it wasn't just like some weird off the wall investment like this was a big development uh Wyndham Hotels was in on it Jack Nicholas Golf Course like oh, this wow. was not you know like me just being some kind of moron like there were a lot of people that had way more money into this than I did and so I in grand total uh, I ended up buying two properties which non-existent I guess but not two properties and I lost 40 grand and I know people that had a couple million of their own dollars in it so that's crazy you know, it that's wasn't crazy. just you know me being a total idiot, or at least that's what I tell myself. (laughs) (laughs) But for the record, I still love Nicaragua. When all that was going on, I went down there probably five times. I I think to date, I've been to a lot of countries, and so far that one is still my favorite. I I will look for any excuse to go back down there. I I was going to move there for a while. I liked it so much. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, that, that, that is interesting. And I'm pretty sure you are at least able to uh, write off the travel expenses. <laughs> yes, at the time. I Rumor is that I can write off the loss at some point. I don't know the logistics of that. And we, me and my accountants have kind of been, because rumor is right. supposedly that the guy's going to make it all happen. I'm like, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, so we've been kind of holding off until it'd be like a strategic year to write that off. Exactly, but yes. I don't know. I don't 
claim to know logistics on that. It's kind of like in my back pocket. There might be a hole in that pocket. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know if it's still, I don't know how it works with third world country or other countries other than the U.S., but rumor is I can write that off, but we'll, we'll see. And if I don't, that's fine. I've, I've, well, I've gotten more than my investment uh, back from that. Right. For sure. Yeah. That, that's how we have to look at, right? Yeah. So, so let's talk about outsourcing, and and I know you are really big on outsourcing. I love and that's outsourcing. Why. I hate doing work myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, so can you uh, dump it down for us? What is outsourcing? I know we have everyone has heard about it. At least you know, coming from IT world, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the businesses they outsource the work to other yeah. parts of the country world. I mean, so yeah. how do you define outsourcing? Uh, say uh, for real estate investors. It's really the same in any industry. You're just hiring people to do certain tasks for you or to do certain jobs or do certain parts of things for you. Um, I mean, it's it's just hiring people to work for you. And so why is outsourcing important for real estate investors? I know it works for large corporations, but someone who is starting or maybe has a couple of properties or whatnot, why would outsourcing be important for them? I think the answer is probably the same for all industries too, is the absolute really, um, uh, I was about to say barrier, that's not quite the right word, but the the barrier that you're going to butt up against too, if you don't outsource is limitation. You by yourself cannot like, we'll call it build an empire. Like if you wanted to, you know, Warren Buffett, for example, does not do all his own work himself. Bill Gates does not do all the work himself because when you do that, you're limited in a lot of ways. A lot of people, it's kind of obvious like, oh, well, I'm only going to be able to, um, you know, if I only have a million dollars of my own money to invest, I'm going to be out of money if I don't use other people's money or use financing. So like leveraging in that context is in a way, kind of outsourcing, it's in a slightly different context, but it drives home the same point is if you don't use resources and skills and tools from other people, you can only go so far because you don't have all of those. I know we all wish we were the perfect human being, but we're not. You know, I've gotten certain strengths that you don't, you've got certain strengths that I do or don't. Um, So when it comes to outsourcing, the two main things that you're going to be limited on if you don't do it is time because you can only do so much. Let's say you're flipping properties. You can only flip so many properties by your own hands. You'd only have so many hours in the day. You can't go past a certain level with that. But the less obvious one that I think is so important is you're also going to cap yourself at your own skill set. So I think about, um, taking away from like not doing a real estate example, but I have my business, which is real estate business, but I have my business. And what I've seen when I outsource different tasks of that business, the people who are doing that task are so much better at that thing than I am that it, it raises the whole level of what we're capable of. And the easiest example being God bless this. I wish I had screenshots back in the day, but when I started my company, I did my own website Right. I did too. Like, oh, that seems so cute now. (laughs) Like, maybe it's better I don't have screenshots of that. Like, I thought it was, like, great at the time, and now I'd probably be like, oh, my Uh, God. But, you know, where my website is now, the company's website, the capability of it, I can't do that. 
I cannot. I don't have right. that skill, certainly don't have that interest. But even if I took it upon myself to learn some of those things, to be able to do it myself, I still can only get so good. So like when I have a web person and other people working on my website, the possibilities are so much greater. Right. So that's really what we're talking about with outsourcing is if you don't do it, you're going to get capped at uh, in multiple realms. You have to bring in other people to dovetail into your own um, your own efforts, if you will, in order to go past that level of limitation. Limitation is the absolute biggest consequence of not choosing to outsource for sure. So uh, basically I was able to take, and I think you mentioned it as well, but a couple of points like, how we leverage money when we get financing or have investors with us, we are leveraging time here, yeah. right? Some, and, and the second is expertise, right? Because yeah. you and I can build website, right? But yep. we are not an expert. We'll be spending a lot of time <laughs> trying to figure things out. It's a very relative out. claim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. I can build one, whether it works or not. <laughs> and, and I come from IT world and I, I when I uh, graduated about 20 years ago, I, that's that was my job. I used yeah. to be a website developer, but things have changed in 20 years. The technologies yeah. have changed. I can't keep up. I, 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 I'm yep. not going to spend time to learn for which I can pay 10, 20, 30 bucks mm -hmm. an hour because, you know, my time is yeah. worth 200, 300 bucks an hour or maybe yep. 400 bucks an hour. So that's how I, I look at it. So yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely true. <laughs> it really, it, it really is. And I think the, the, the second part about the, lever, you know, leveraging someone else's expertise is not the, you know, a lot of people realize, oh, well, I have to hire people because I don't have the time to do it myself. That one's a little bit more obvious, but that leveraging expertise thing, I feel like people don't really look at it. And that one really is kind of the counter to the argument of, well, I'm a new real estate investor. I'm new, you know, I don't want to, you know, I want to do everything myself. I want to keep control myself. And it's like, that almost makes sense to a point until it doesn't and bringing in, you know, it's, it's leveraging again, outsourcing and leveraging really go hand in hand where we all are familiar with how to leverage money, like other people's money, loans, all that kind of stuff, investor partners, but leveraging other people's skills, resources, expertise, that can be game changing. And that's the one that I feel like is just not quite as obvious to people. Oh, that's awesome. So let's say, um, you know, I understand how why outsourcing is important. How can an investor start outsourcing? Is there a process you have? Have you figured out the process? Like how can someone get started? Well, I think there's, when we're talking about real estate investing, I think there's two different, um, I don't uh, I was going to say goals. That's not quite it. Two different possible outsourcing paths. Um, one is, you know, a lot of being a real estate investor, we're all going to be involved with different strategies. Like, you know, you do certain things, I do certain things, all that. For me personally, my primary strategy has been with turnkey rental properties and turnkeys by their nature are outsourced. So right. it's not like I get into turnkeys and then I start outsourcing everything. I have chosen a strategy that is basically outsourced from the get-go. You invest and everything is already outsourced. Most everything is already outsourced for you. So that's one way to look at it is if you're wanting outsourcing from the get-go, you need to choose your strategy appropriately because wholesaling, for example, 
may not be quite right. You know, if you're not wanting to be active or you're not right. wanting to spend that much time, you need to be conscientious about what you're doing. Now, using the wholesaling example, the other way of outsourcing real estate investing is you do get into an active strategy, but over time you begin to outsource it. So let's say that you do go into wholesaling and wholesaling essentially is a job and that's fine, but it's a job. It's active. You have to do the work to get paid. Well, let's say that you are wholesaling for like a year or two and you've gotten really good at it. You're kind of natural, like you've, you've got things going, but what you're seeing is you're starting to hit limitation. You don't have enough time to do as many deals as you want. You don't have as much time to go scout out the deals as you want. Like you're, you're starting to get restricted and this could happen. I don't know, six months in a year in, right. five years in whatever the timing is. But so you're like, okay, wait a minute. I need to start outsourcing this thing that I'm doing. And so it may be, you know, my biggest learning with this was really starting a business is like, what is the appropriate time uh, to start outsourcing? Because if you are brand new into wholesaling, you don't want to outsource right away because you don't even really know what the job is going to require, what the actual tasks are. You want to be in a position where you can say, okay, I need, let's say I have too many leads coming in every day. Great problem to have, right? right? Well, instead of you sifting through all the leads, you could possibly hire someone, give them a very set um, box of criteria and let them sift through the leads and just pass on to you the ones that meet that criteria. Again, to my point of you don't want to outsource too soon because in the very beginning, you're not going to know what that criteria is. Like right. that may have developed over time. It's like, well, a year or two in, like I've made a lot of mistakes. Like, oh, mm, I know now while this um, criteria of a lead sounds great, it never pans out. You know, you, you're not going to know that until you have the experience. So the way outsourcing is a little bit of like a... I, I look at it like dovetailing the efforts is like, what are the easiest things you can hire someone for? One of the first things I hired someone for uh, with my business was I was getting too many emails. Like I could not, I was checking emails. That's from the life of an entrepreneur, right? <laughs> like, good. I mean, again, great problem to have, but I was checking emails from the minute I woke up to the minute yeah, I went to bed. And the true. problem with responding to all those emails I never had a chance to do anything else at all. So I hired someone to be kind of like my email filter. So we started kind of developing, you know, cause I can also catch myself saying the same things to certain people too. So it's like, okay, her and I are going to work on templates that she can use. Like it's systems and processes. The more systems and stuff you have in place, the easier it is to hire somebody. Um, but again, I wouldn't have known how those emails were going to go or what those responses would have to look like until I had done them myself. But once I did them myself for a while and it's like, okay, now I'm being held back. I need someone to help me bring that person on. Same with the website. I did it until I couldn't do it anymore, which didn't last nearly as long as emails. <laughs> um, and then I brought someone on to do that. So like back to the wholesaling example, is that's really what we're talking about. Like if you're starting active, that's fine. But over time, and you know, you're not trying to hire five people at the same time. It's like, what's my first need? I've got to have someone filter my yes. leads. Okay, hire that person. Okay, now what's holding me back? Um, 
I don't know, running around to check. I don't know anything about wholesaling, so I don't know what you guys do, but, um, you know, running around to scout all the property, you know, hire someone to do that, hire, you know, so you kind of do it piece by piece. And that way, because you, again, outsourcing too fast, too quickly, it can be counterproductive, but, you know, kind of backtracking to what we're saying is you can either start in a, in a much more outsourced strategy or you can begin to outsource a more active strategy. So for real estate investors, you know, those are your, your, the two ways to kind of look at it. That, that's great. And uh, do you recommend any outsourcing websites? I mean, other than, of course, we know Upwork.com, mm-hmm. Fiverr.com, and the third one I know is FreeUp.com. Do you use any other or any yeah. agencies? No, so far I've only used Upwork. Uh, I think, okay. what was Upwork originally called? Um, yeah, I can't I, I know the name. Oh, it'd be such a cool different. flashback. I'm like, yeah. oh, I remember the days when it was not Upwork, whatever it was. Yeah, it um, was a different name. <laughs> I start, oh, now I want to remember. Um, yeah, I started with them, I would say, within a, like a year or two of having my business. And, you know, even when you're working, when you're hiring virtual assistants, um, I, I've learned kind of over time, like I have a process of how, because you can you can talk to a lot of people who have no idea what they're doing. Like, how do you properly hire? Um, And, and, and I don't get, I don't land the perfect person every time. I've even last summer, I I mean, I've been hiring on Upwork for eight, nine years. And just last summer I had someone do some work for me and it just ended up dreadful. (laughs) It's like, it's not a sure thing, but like, how do you, but for the most part, the majority of my hires are absolutely fantastic because I've kind of developed that system. So outsourcing in itself is a little bit of a skill because it's like, how do you know who to hire? What do you look for? How do you kind of distinguish between the candidates, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, that in and of itself is something for an investor to learn, you know, and that also comes over time, but yeah, Upwork, I've, I've always really liked, I've checked out Fiverr. I haven't really checked out um, the rest of them, but Upwork to me has a very intuitive um, interface. And when I started with them, they didn't have fees for me. It, was, it used to be free for me. Now there's right. fees all over the place, but um, I like that, you know, I don't have to worry about anyone's 1099. I don't have to worry about logistics. I can track their time if I need to. It's just kind of, you know, as much as I don't like paying the fees, it also takes a huge weight off my shoulders on the logistics side of it. So I, I really like them a lot. So uh, I know you went to this question already, but how do you, and, and as you said, I also made mistake last year, right? That means every time I hire people on Upwork or Fiverr, sometimes they are five star and sometimes they just yeah. don't work out, you know, communication, uh-huh. you know, I, I, I had to hire a technical writer and the communication was so bad. I'm like, why would you be a writer? You know, you can't email me. Yeah, How is yeah. your writing gonna turn? I'm out? like, I could have done. I I couldn't have done worse job than him anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, yep, been there. I'm like, mm, yeah. Been there. <laughs> so, how, how do you separate good outsourcing companies or VAs from the bad ones? The companies, or you mean oh, just or, like the or VAs? Yeah, oh, the VAs. Yeah. You know, one of the things I learned very early on that ha- that to this day makes one of the biggest differences in finding the right person to hire is back in the day. And you know, this is one of the fun things about Upwork and probably the other sites is like you're like, mm, okay, I need a I don't know social media marketer or something. So you type in social media marketer and it gives you this whole long list of people. And I'm like, oh, they seem great. Request them. Request. You know check out my job, apply to my job. And what I learned very quickly is that if you ask someone if they can do a job, they're going to say yes. 
Yes, period. that's exactly and what happened. It did not take me long to figure out, oh, wait a minute. I need to reverse this where I'm not going to other people. And every now and then I might stumble across a profile because, you know, they'll give you like recommended profiles. Every now and then I'll stumble across one that I'll say, hey, check out my job. Let me know if you're interested because they sound that phenomenal. But otherwise, every time I need someone, no matter how big of a task or small task, I make the job posting and I let people come to me. Because again, if you ask them if they can do the job, they'll say yes, even if they can't really do the job well. So by forcing them to come to me, first of all, they're putting an effort forth, but then also kind of like what you're saying about the communication being representative of possible writing, like, hmm, something about this doesn't work out well. Like, you know, when they apply to the job, I can see very quickly, are they just going to speak English to me? And I don't mean English like versus Spanish, French or whatever. I mean like communicative, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you and I are talking right now like yes. this, I can understand, but if they're going to sound weird or sound technical, and in a lot of cases, I want to hire internationals because they're a lot cheaper, yes. but I also, cheaper. you know, depending on the job, if they're going to uh, do something like I have a woman in the check actually, who's been with me for God, like, eight years or something. I, wow. she's absolutely one of my favorites, but she puts out our email blast. Well, I don't care if English is your second language, but if you're putting our email blast out, you've got to be pretty fluent. Yes. <laughs> you know yes, what I, but I agree. versus like my first web guy was in Romania and he, he was fluent, but you could tell in his writing and stuff, he's definitely not from the U S which in that case was fine because yeah. he wasn't talking to yeah, our yeah, clients. Exactly. Um, <laughs> And so, you know, different things like that, but just in that initial, and I always, always, here's my number two tip is at least Upwork allows you to ask questions, like yes. put in questions where they have to respond. Um, one of them, I don't do it as much now, but I used to always make the last question. Are you awesome? And people are like, <laughs> why would you ask that? I'm like, because first of all, the answers are very entertaining, but it, I'm so relational. Like I want to have a good relationship and I need you to be able to have a little bit of fun. And like, yes. and I've, I've gotten some good answers to that question. Like, I'm like, you have personality like yeah. this weekend. If they're like, <laughs> I believe I'm awesome. Or like if they're, you know, it, it just kind of helps, but asking specific questions and Upwork will allow you to use their like templated questions. I always write my own questions because I'm inevitably going to have those questions with their application right. anyways, <laughs> but I, I can see when they answer those questions, how much they're, you know, you can see a big difference in how, first of all, the, the actual answers, but like how easy they are to work with. So, you know, and you kind of learn over time. And like I said, it's not a perfect um, yeah. thing because I've still had fairly tragic experiences, but you know, those are few and far between at this point. No. Uh, and I think, yeah, again, uh, you, you mentioned a couple of great points. One that you want to post the job so that they reach out to you. Yeah. And the second is Upwork, anyone Fiverr allows you to put questions. The third tip I heard from someone who I was talking to as well, and that was interesting that he said, every time he would put a job posting, he would put a password in it, right? So a, pa oh, a password, so and they have to when they reply. The yes, because a lot of times, they, yeah, they, they just read first couple of lines and they're like, yeah, I'm good. I know all this, right? So he would put right in the middle. And then right you can make the, the question, what is the password? Yes. Oh, I, well, turns out I'm going to be adding a password to all of my Yeah, me too. So, so I learned genius. that from him. And that is one of the big things is they just, you know, they, they respond to you and it's like, I'm pretty sure you didn't read anything I said. Uh, exactly. <laughs> like, or, or he said even sometimes when he, they reach out to him, the next question he asks, oh, what was the password? 
And they're like, they don't have glue. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm finding now? I don't know if you've hired anyone recently, but I, um, and I feel like this just started two and three months ago. Maybe it started sooner and I just wasn't hiring people. But now what I'm finding, um, and maybe it's because I have a bigger online presence. Somehow when I put a job posting up, I'm having people email me. Like I'm not putting my email oh. in the Upwork thing. I don't oh. know if they're going to like my YouTube channel or, you know, it's wherever. it's very easy for them to find your email yeah, actually. But it's actually Ooh. a couple of them I've ended up hiring. Some of them, they reached out and it's just kind of like spammy and annoying. It's like <laughs> getting to the point where I hate putting, you know, I want to keep everything on Upwork. Yeah. But a couple of them have reached out and I've ended up hiring them because the level of effort they put forth to say, yes. hey, I saw your posting and I need this job because here's what I'll do for you. You know, it is it's kind of hard to distinguish between the spammy version and the like yes. legit awesome version, but I have hired a couple of people that have done this is for anyone watching. This is not an invite to email me just because I put a job on Upwork. It's, it's pretty annoying, yeah. but I've noticed that's a thing more recently. Oh, um, but okay. you know, if you think about it, if you're trying to get hired on Upwork, you have bazillions of competition. So, right. you know, I've you never have been to stand on that out. end of it. Yeah. You have to sure. stand out. So no, that this is great. Can you share an example when you were able to save a deal or land a deal just because you had outsourced? Well, this is uh, kind of an indirect way to answer your question, but I honestly don't think that I would be in real estate investing at all or today if it weren't for, in my case, the turnkey strategy. Because what I was finding, you know, I was trying to find my way out of corporate and I was trying to figure out, do I start a business? Do I do something in real estate? Like real estate sounds great, but what would I do in it? And everything I researched and I found, it was like flipping properties, wholesaling, whatever, which at the time I wasn't opposed to doing it if that's what I had to do but the active level of those and the work you know I was trying to get out of my corporate job um they were uh remember that disabled dog I was talking about it's <laughs> down here and nudging uh... but, um it, I don't, I, I think, you know, in terms of like saving a deal, I think my entire real estate career has been saved by an outsourced, a primarily outsourced strategy because I wasn't, you know, I was researching a lot of it and I was interested possibly, but I kept not pulling the trigger because I just wasn't looking to get another job, so to speak. I wasn't looking to swing hammers. I, I, I would be a terrible house flipper or I wouldn't be terrible, <laughs> but I would hate it. Um, you know, all these things I didn't do because I was trying to go lay on the beach. I was not trying to work. And so when turnkeys uh, became known to me, I'd never heard of them before. I was like, wait, what? Tell me more. Yeah. And because it's an outsourced strategy in general, I believe that is truly what got me the reason I got into real estate. So I would say, all of my deals have been saved by outsourcing. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, that is awesome. This was great. So let's take a quick break. And after the break, we'll go through the same five questions I ask every guest. Oh, boy. <laughs> You're listening to the Wealth Matters Podcast. The Wealth Matters Podcast. For more info about what we do, check us out at wealthmatters.com. It's wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, matters, M-A-T-R-S, dot com. Welcome back to Wealth Matters Podcast. And we are talking to Ali and she gave us a lot of tips about outsourcing. Ali, are you ready for fire round? I always get nervous about these because I'm like, oh God, everyone answers them. What if my answers suck? 
<laughs> yeah, like, no, that, I'm ready. I got this. That, that is no good or bad answer. It's just fun. <laughs> famous, famous last words, right? <laughs> like you didn't seriously just say that. Yeah. Would you be changing any business or investment strategy after coronavirus is over? You know, I I would like to say yes because I I like to look at things. Um, you know, where I alter course a little bit, like make improvements based on whatever scenarios. But in this case, um, interestingly enough, because I work mostly with turnkey rental properties, um, the pandemic and all of that has shot turnkey business through the roof. Right. Um, you know, I, there's such an importance where when you're investing in real estate, um, to make sure that when you know you're buying things, obviously none of us predicted a global pandemic, like that was probably not on anyone's radar, but the idea is like, how do you plan for the unexpected? This is, you know, what's, what's going to happen. And sometimes we just can't plan ahead of time and we have to make adjustments. It's like, you know, outdoor, uh, like dining restaurants, you know, like I'm in California, so we still can't have indoor, but a lot of them adjusted. And it's like, Oh, now we have this great outdoor space. You adjust. Um, and in a lot of cases, there's not much you could have done about it sooner. But in my case with the turnkeys, single family homes, the demand for those have gone through the roof. Moving to the suburbs, the demand yes, has ooh. gone through the roof. Yeah. Um, I honestly haven't worked with this many buyers in probably five years. The downfall is we're really freakishly low on inventory because turnkeys, the turnkey providers get most of their properties from, from foreclosures and yes. all the foreclosure yeah. moratoriums, there are no foreclosures right, right. now. Four bedrooms, um, foreclosures, everything's Yeah. So, it's, you know, my life didn't change a ton with the pandemic because I was already working from home. I was already working online. Um, you know, it's, i I want to look for ways to like, oh, you know, how can I improve business? But for the most part, nothing with my investing is really going to change a whole lot other than, holy cow, this is like one of the first times that, you know, really suburban single family houses, the demand is just stupidly high, like unexpectedly so. Yes. So that's encouragement more than anything. So next question, favorite real estate or finance book other than your book or my book? Oh, I was going to say my own book. (laughs) Oh, man, I was going to plug my own. Um, I would say I actually have three core ones. Can I say three? Sure. Um, And if you asked me this last on our last episode, I might have said the same ones. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, hands down. I know it's cliche, but it's cliche (laughs) for a reason. It really is. It changed everything for me. Um, Another one that I really like that is not real estate investing specific, but I have... I have used for real estate investing like crazy is the E-Myth Revisited. Oh, yes. It's, it's, it's actually a, a business book, book but yeah, it, I have, I the have whole it thing right, is about lying right there. Yeah, I've, <laughs> mine's back there somewhere and I've yeah. read through it twice. It is, especially since we're talking about outsourcing, yes. it is like the absolute best book. Michael to, Well, and Rich Dad Poor Dad, actually, now that I'm saying these, these are all outsourcing related. Rich Dad Poor Dad talks about outsourcing indirectly, but that's yes. what he's talking about, working on your business, not in your business. The E-Myth is further diving into that and really talking about outsourcing. But also too, what's cool about that book is it's a business book. It absolutely applies to real estate investing, but it also really applies to my life. My favorite example in there is like the technician, the manager and the entrepreneur, you know, those different hats that we all have to wear. And that is the drive for outsourcing. If you don't have the technician, you need to hire one. If you are, you know, like, and I'm parts of all of it. So I love that book. And then my third book, which is not business or real estate is uh, Jack Canfield's The Success Principles. And I think, you know, that really, it's more of kind of a mindset, you know, 
I don't want to say self-improvement kind of book, but, you know, those kind of tie back into the more logistical technical conversation. So those, those three are like my trifecta of power. That's awesome. Any tool or website you recommend for real estate investors? I think we already spoke about Upwork and Fiverr and FreeUp. But if there is anything else up your sleeve, let us know. <laughs> That's right. I mean, Upwork really, I would say that one because it is, it's been so game changing for me because that is, I wouldn't have my business if it weren't for the people I've hired on Upwork. Like everyone I have is from Upwork. And then, you know, if someone uh, jives with Fiverr or any of those better, but yeah, Upwork hands down for sure. That's awesome. Any advice for beginner investors? Um, I would say, and I, I kind of, my whole book is geared towards this is before you dive in, really take just a little bit of time. It doesn't even take that much time to pause, take a step back and really get a feel for the strategies that are out there. Because I think we can probably all agree that, you know, you Google how to be a real estate investor. And it's like, you should wholesale, you should flip properties. Well, that might be great for some people, but for the people it's not great for, and they go, diving off into doing that and then they end up traumatized and they either get out of the industry or lose a lot of money or whatever you know uh real estate investing is a very convoluted kind of industry it's hard to navigate it's hard to understand the options and if you can take the time to really step back and look at those and compare them to your goals and to your skills and to your strengths and kind of more gracefully get into the industry i think you set yourself up for way better chances of success you know again it's hard to do because we don't know what we don't know but you know it and it's not fun i get it it's like if you want to be an investor you want to go get a property i get it but just taking a little bit of time on the front end to really kind of sit down and figure out your plan and kind of figure out as best you can how to navigate it i think it can change the fate of everything that's awesome and the last question is about how do you give back but i know you are going to give back something on the podcast itself you have an offer for my listeners, right? I do. That book that I was not allowed to say is the best book out there. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, since I was on here last, I finally got my first uh, real estate investing book out and you said the name of it, uh, Not Your How-To Guide to Real Estate Investing, Life Lessons on Hacking Your Mind Before You Hack Your Wallet. And I I titled it that very strategically, not your how-to guide, because it really is that whole kind of prerequisite before you go dive into the how-to guides. Again, how do you better get yourself better set up to succeed? So I set up a link for your folks um, to get a free digital copy of the book. Um, There is an Amazon link in there if if you're like me and you prefer paperback or you just want to support the book, which I could not possibly be more appreciative of, uh, share with friends or families. But you know, even if you think that real estate investing books are like boring and stoic and whatever, I actually tried to make this one fun. And um, a lot of the things in there, I think, apply to several aspects of our life. It just happens to be real estate investing is kind of the vehicle for the message. Um, so even if you're not total, well, of course, if you're listening to this, you're probably in real estate. But if you know someone who maybe real estate's not their thing, it could still be a really cool book. So free copy for all of you. That is awesome. Thank you so much for doing that. You bet. I I literally enjoyed the episode again. And as always, whenever I talk to you, I I, I enjoy, I have fun. Oh, yay, thanks. (laughs) So have a nice weekend. Thank you so much. You too. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Matters podcast. 
If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes so others can enjoy the show too. Have a great week and happy investing!